This is Dr. Robin Axelrod. For the past 15 years, I've been helping children and adults meet their full potential. On our podcast, we're going to share some tips and tricks with you and some of my knowledge on how you can reach your potential and your family's goals. Each week, we'll be highlighting different specialists that can help you understand human development and how to assist your family in living their best lives. Welcome to Ask the Therapist. Good evening and welcome to Ask the Therapist. Today we're joined with Katie Garvey. She's an occupational therapist and also a dementia care specialist from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Good evening, Katie. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, you're here to tell us a little bit about you know, the specialty area that you're working on. And can you just explain to me what a dementia care specialist means? <clears throat> the position itself was created. I, I joined the United Methodist Retirement Community, which is a, a CCRC, uh, Continuum of Care Retirement Community, uh, back three years ago in 2016. And the position was created to, uh, as, uh, to help uh, uh, address sort of uh, care challenges that existed in the assisted living community. Towsley Village, which is their uh, assisted living with the dementia care specialization, um, has, has, has about 68 people who are living with dementia at various stages of disease progression. Mm-hmm. And it is um, the, the United Methodist Retirement Community recognized that Given the nature of dementia care right now, they really were looking to help empower staff to be to be better able to meet the needs of people living with dementia. So they had applied for a Michigan Health Endowment Fund grant to bring Tita Snow, who's another occupational therapist, um, uh, what she calls the positive approach to care, which is a care curriculum. Uh, very occupational therapy based that sort of standardizes work routines uh, on social interaction skills when you are uh, interacting with people living with dementia. The whole idea is that those who support people living with dementia are under a lot of stress as are the people who are living with the disease and what can we do to help support them. So I was hired on to help train and do staff development to bring the positive approach to care to healthy village. Oh, interesting. And what brought you to this area of practice? And what's your experience, which areas have you worked in in the past? So occupational therapy is my tertiary career. I spent many years in business, and then I worked in education. And I spent a few years also at home as a domestic engineer, with a family that was moving a lot with two small children. And I came to occupational therapy as a, at an MOT program at Eastern Michigan, and I always wanted to work with older adults. Well, I, and I really had a calling to work in skilled nursing. Mm-hmm. So uh, eventually I landed in skilled nursing when I first got out of uh, into practice in 2012, and I loved my job. And really, there were uh, oftentimes many of the uh, 
people who were on caseload, I was referred to, and many of the people who had dementia were referred to me because I seemed to have a lot of uh, good rapport and had a lot of success in developing care plans that worked, and staff tried to come to me as a resource, and I really was drawn to working with people with dementia. And there are a number of, there are quite a few people living uh, who are uh, living in skilled nursing who have dementia. So I looked into a dementia care certificate program that Eastern Michigan has and was poised to begin that when this job opened because mm-hmm. in skilled nursing, in a traditional skilled nursing environment, what I, what I struggled with were the sort of confines of the um, system, both the physical confines of the um, <clears throat> environment and also just insurance and how it was set up. It's really not a, it's not a environment that's conducive to really the, the health and well-being of people who are living with dementia. Mm-hmm. So then the, the job opening happened at UMRC, and it was a good fit, and mm-hmm. I love what I do. Right. Wow. Okay. It's, it's so interesting. Can you just explain to us, you know, a lot of people have their um, idea about what dementia is. Can you just break it down for us and explain to us what dementia really is and, you know, are there different types? Sure. Thank you. Sure. So <clears throat> because of time constraints, let me just say that dementia is a neurodegenerative brain disease. It's a syndrome. So much like autism, dementia is, it is an umbrella term that covers a lot of different subtypes. Tifa Snow in a lot of her education talks about at last count maybe over 120 different um, disease processes that uh, contribute to a dement- at some sort of dementia. And so people, there are four truths about dementia. Dementia is terminal, it's progressive, there's no known cure, and in a, in a uh, probable diagnosis of dementia, which is what ICD-10 diagnosis codes say, there are at least two parts of the brain are dying. And so mm-hmm. Alzheimer's is one of the most commonly diagnosed, the most common form. But most dementias, research has shown now, are mixed. So mm-hmm. it's Alzheimer's with a little bit of vascular or Alzheimer's with some Lewy body. And any dementia diagnosis is not definitive until you have a postmortem autopsy. What physicians need are they look at symptoms and they look for patterns to say what, what the probable subtype of dementia is. But our approach um, and the positive approach to care approach is no matter what kind of dementia is there, there are certain hallmarks for certain dementias, but there's a lot of com- there's enough commonality that how you approach and how you work with a person with dementia um, uh, would be the same. So, uh-huh. <clears throat> you use so that, that in it, pardon me. So you use that their structure as a guideline for treating all of the patient's dementia? Well, as far as interacting with them and how you approach them and how you, the whole idea is she, her approach is based um, on, the, on Claudia Allen, very famous OT's uh, cognitive disabilities model. So it's the idea of what skills and abilities people retain. Okay. And it's not about what's lost. We want to focus on what's still there. 
and mm-hmm. how do we help to work with people instead of doing to people. And uh-huh. in dementia in our country, often the person living with dementia is lost um, right. in the whole calculation. And it becomes all people surrounding them who are trying to support them, who are making decisions. And often they're not considering, uh, or often people living with dementia, their wishes or their um, well-being sometimes does not get the focus that it should. Mm-hmm. Right. That's that's really different than most people would think. I mean, I think it's a great approach. I think there's definitely that stigma out there um, still, you know, about dementia and you know what dementia is. So thank you so much for clarifying that. So what does your day look like? What does the daily schedule look like? Do you um, do like an intake evaluation? Um, what's the process at your facility? So, so I don't do one-on-one therapy right okay. now. I'm in a consultant role. So okay. as a member of an interdisciplinary team, we uh, we have, my day is kind of, I have four or five different initiatives I'm working on simultaneously. So the, the Michigan Health Endowment Fund grant was a time-limited um, project, mm-hmm. which we have completed in two and a half years but now we're working on the sustainability of that. And so a large portion of my time is spent in staff development and training. Mm -hmm. So all of the new direct care hires and therapy, we have a subcontractor therapy uh, group, those therapists, we have sales and accounting, and I'm adding dietary and housekeeping this year. Mm -hmm. I have a training program for them. All new direct care uh, personnel have a four-hour workshop where that they they that's mandatory training, and then we have follow-up by people who are coaches who've undergone some additional training to sort of build those skills into their daily routine. So everybody who works in Healthy Village approaches the individual with dementia in the same way, mm-hmm. and start to have an awareness and knowledge about dementia so that they understand um, and learn to notice things about the person living with dementia in order to support them better. So that's one aspect of my job. Another aspect of my job is the day-to-day operations of helping to support people with dementia. Because if you've met one person with dementia, you've met one person with dementia. So each person is very different. It has a lot to do with comorbidities, their personal preferences, their life narrative up until that point when they meet us on our journey. And so care challenges um, with 68 people who are living um, with the disease at any point in time, there's any number of care challenges present. So I do a lot of problem solving um, interventions, uh, behavioral interventions, so that we can sort of try to figure out behaviors happen in context. And Thomas Kitt wrote a really famous book um, about dementia, and um, he talks about personhood and how much of what the the behaviors that people see we 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 like to term it not behaviors but unmet needs. Mm-hmm. So what are the needs that are not being met that are causing people stress, which are, are causing them to behave in a way that is problematic? for themselves or for others. And it's challenging because we are in a communal setting and everybody's needs are different. 
So how do we balance out and prioritize? Mm -hmm. And then I work with families a lot. Um, If they, with people as they are looking for care options for their loved ones, we do a lot of counseling about that transition in care um, and also uh, what it is that is problematic about their interactions, what can we do to help them sort of uh, problem solve and make the interactions more positive. I offer workshops and trainings for families and volunteers as well. And then um, I do I do a lot of, we, we, we're starting to look more at environmental modifications and sort of what, what ways can we set up the environments to make them engaging and enhance well-being for the people who are living with dementia. I work closely with Eastern Michigan University's OT program, so we've been developing some um, evidence-based research project initiatives as well as uh, an assessment and intervention opportunity for students um, who are second year, I think they're second year students who are doing an adult assessment and group protocol class. Wow, really doing so much uh, at that one facility, that's really amazing. I mean, um, you know, you're really, yeah, you're, you're well, attacking yeah. all angles. I mean, you're really, you know, you're getting the students involved, you're, you know, training the staff, you're also, you know, um, indirectly working with the patients. I mean, I, I think it's, it's so amazing. Um, could you share? Possibly, yes, sure. Yeah, go ahead. Could you share possibly, you know, um, some challenges and some successes that you've had with this population? Because they're definitely, you can be a challenging population. Yeah. So, so we, we, we talk about residents and we talk about neighborhoods. So some of it is the language that we use. Mm-hmm. There's a really famous saying um, by uh, Buddha actually about how, how thoughts become, how thought becomes words, the word becomes deeds, these become actions, and how you have to really watch the words that you use because or the thoughts that you have because they will form you know they'll form what you do in the world so we we talk about people as residents and talk about neighbors we don't we try to get away from the biomedical model and talk about more in terms of psychosocial okay. so <clears throat> one of the projects that we have been working on and I actually got the idea from the dementia uh, uh, certificate program that I was enrolled in and um, I'm currently working on one. We've 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 done a number of them, and part of what our paradigm is relationship-based care. So, when people have dementia, their needs are going to become greater and greater. But they have to have some trust and rapport with the person who's providing support and care for them. So families have that by virtue of longevity and shared history. But paid staff, professional care partners, are in a in a in a difficult position because they have to win that trust and rapport. So one of the ways, and so we have relationships between the care partners and the person with dementia, and then the residents to residents themselves. So we're trying to create an intentional community and make it, um, to make it comfortable and enjoyable for people because that is definitely a big part of health and well-being. And we, what we're striving for is more moments of joy and comfort because that's really all we have is the here and now. So one of the ways that we're trying to get people more connected and also get a chance for people to know each other better is we have a life narrative project. 
And so those uh, families and residents that might be interested, uh, we have uh, uh, we create their life narrative, and we involve their family and them, and we write the narrative, and then we make uh, a visual image of their life narrative, which we hang in common space. So it's something that both staff and other residents can look at, and we use visual as well as text. And mm-hmm. then we do a life celebration for that individual person to sort of commemorate their, and we hang the, the life narrative project. And then it's a keepsake for the families as well um, uh, to take with them. And it's, it's really met with rave reviews. Um, just today I met with a family, uh, a husband and wife, and she's had this incredible journey up till now. And I think oftentimes staff only knows them now, and they don't have the full picture. And it became apparent to me when I first came to the organization that there had been, there had been people who had been living there for quite a number of years, but because of their changing expressive abilities, a lot of staff didn't know a lot about them. Mm-hmm. So when I, I would have discussions and I would reveal this information, it's really helpful for staff to make connections and also to sort of find meaningful and purposeful engagement for the, the resident during the day. Wow. That's really amazing and so special. Um, in, how was your experience with the students? How has that been? You know, could you share some experiences that they've had interacting with um, with the neighbors in your community? Absolutely. So, I have a really special place in my heart for people living with dementia, and I think occupational therapists are really well schooled and poised to be able to make a difference for people living with dementia because we're looking at the whole person. And it's both the person, the environment, and their occupation. And a lot of it has to do with accommodation and adaptation, which we're really good at, Um, and an appreciation for what the person can do versus what they can't do. And so uh, one of the program directors, Jane Yachek, who works at Eastern Michigan, has an equal passion for working with people with dementia. So we came up with this idea of having the students come in and do assessments on all of our residents and then develop a group protocol. And so students, many of them, had never had any experience working with people with dementia, and they came in a bit apprehensive. And then we, they came and visited and worked with residents four times over the course of the semester, and by the end of it, they were really, really intrigued and started to think about the possibility of, of looking for opportunities to work with older adults and people with dementia and started to see how their skills and training might really be helpful um, with engaging and promoting health and well-being. Um, and, you know, it, it's, a, it's a public health uh, initiative. It is going to be a growing, growing concern because the number one leading risk factor for dementia or um, is, is advanced age, and so as people live longer, more people will have dementia. So we have to think creatively and proactively about how can we keep people with cognitive changes engaged and supported 
as um, in the best, most uh, well, the most sustainable way. Um, we currently our system currently has severe limitations and does not really serve people living with dementia or their uh, care partners very well. Uh, well, I mean, that, that's, that's a really good experience. And I know in my experience with students, they are very apprehensive. And, you know, also there is that stigma that, you know, is still in the back of their mind, you know, when they're early um, as OTs or OT students that um, definitely would change with experience or exposure, um, you know, with your group of individuals um, and your, your neighbors. I like that. Um, thank you so much, Katie, for this great information. I, I would only You're hope welcome. That other facilities would take on the same initiative and the same goals that you have for treating um, patients or individuals or neighbors with dementia. I think it's really a, a great mindset, a great um, framework to work with as opposed to the current, um, you know, vocabulary, thought, stigma that are associated with those individuals. And I really thank you for your contribution to to that area of practice. I think it's really amazing, and well, it's only going to grow. Yeah, thank you. You're, you're you're welcome. And I really I encourage people to um, because no matter where you practice, if it's in acute care or an inpatient rehab or a community setting, if you're working with older adults, there will be clientele who will have dementia. And really, as in any sort of accessibility model. What's good for a person with dementia would be good to, to sort of think about it in a way that if you make your interactions and you're very intentional about the way that you do it, then no matter, because you don't know what people's status is when you meet them, but if you approach people in the same sort of mindful way, um, it will really go a long way to build the trust and rapport that you need to really practice occupational therapy. Amazing. Um, I wanted to ask you about um, that that program that um, that you had spoken about. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, more about that um, training or that OT that you worked with that trained you on that construct? Sure. So Tipa Snow, who is um, an OTR and a fellow for AFTA, um, she uh, worked, has worked with people with brain changes. So developmental disabilities as well as dementia, traumatic brain injury. And um, she, over time, in the 38 years she has practiced, has developed what she calls, trademarked, the positive approach to care. So her organization now has over a 1,000 certified individuals, and she has different roles for people to play. So I am a trainer and a coach. Within our organization, we also have a consultant and an engagement leader. And then her organization works uh, to certify people. So she has a curriculum, and she uses the adult experiential learning cycle. So in order to learn, you have to do. And you're working with multiple intelligences. And so when you do a training, it is you want to offer something that no matter what kind of learner you are, you will gain information and knowledge but you have to practice the skills. So we've been working with her organization for the last two and a half years. So every single employee has gone through a training, and I'm the one providing the training, but it's, um, it is an interactive model. So we, I, we, people who are certified through our organization have to re recertify every year, 
and and she is planting the seed. But the idea is, in order to gain competence, there's four levels: awareness, then knowledge, then skills, and then competency. So people first have to be aware of what they're doing or not doing, as the case might be. And it's the model is that it's different. It's not good or bad. It's different. And that everybody does something well, so let's build on their strengths and let's think about what we could do different next time. And that we're going to make mistakes, but we're going to learn from those mistakes and we're going to do it better. And it takes time and practice. So it takes three to five years to be competent. So she has a... They have now introduced a a community designation program. So there are three communities, and UMRC is one of them, that has um, worked with her organization long enough that we have gained a participating community designation, and we're working towards uh, increased competency. There's four levels that you can um, strive for to become a a community that's certified in her culture of care. But you know, culture change is hard. And there's a lot of forces at work because it's very counter to um, to sort of what we're accustomed to. And the, the society at large stigmatizes dementia mostly out of ignorance. And so they don't, things are not set up in a way to help people with dementia early on. And so I always say to people, the earlier you can start to plan, the more choices you have, and you want to plan for the worst, but um, really enjoy the best. So, um, so her organization really uh, starts with the direct care providers and recognizing those people who are skillful and are interested in learning, learning more and doing things differently. And we identified people within our direct care staff, they were self-selecting. They took on the role of coach, and then they helped to train colleagues. And now that system will try, as we bring new people in, this is the, this is the expectation of how we're going to care for people with dementia. And um, we have incorporated that into our generalized um, on, uh, onboarding for all employees within the community. And the next step will be to sort of broaden the scope. And I've already worked with other residents in other levels of care in the community and the community at large to sort of bring everybody up into a new higher level of awareness. So it's not only us, but the hospital, the EMTs, the physician's offices, so that everybody has the same kind of understanding about dementia and its effects on people's um, functionality and it helps put it in the context of why, why you see what you see and so that you're not judging people based on um, a misunderstanding, but you're really understanding what they're struggling with and figuring out ways to help them better. So amazing, really, really amazing. Um, one last question. I, I wonder, I mean, it's probably very difficult for an individual with um, dementia to must realize that they have, you know, they're struggling or they're having a hard time um, completing daily activities or that they could seek help. How would you go about um, either family assisting an individual or an individual themselves seeking proper resources? So you're right. Most 
there's so many people who are struggling and it's out of fear or um, and in one of so with dementia and its progression oftentimes it's those frontal lobe self-awareness judgment problem solving skills that are affected first so you see the changes in their ability to accomplish a lot of higher level IEDL skills and so they lack self-awareness so it's often the people around them if they are there to notice, we'll start to see the changes. So first and foremost is to have, is to, if you notice something, to have a, a frank conversation and to, um, to look for community resources. So Alzheimer's Association has done a, has a big initiative now about the 10 signs of, of dementia. Um, and Really, if you think that you might, you seek some medical um, assistance and you really look for your general practitioner is not going to have all of the information needed. So you really want to go and be vetted or um, seen by somebody who can, and it's usually a, a four-hour battery of tests with people who are trained in um in neurology or geriatric psychiatry who can really definitively say if there are significant cognitive changes or not. And so, um, you know, there's the fear of the unknown, but the earlier that can be pinpointed, the better off you are because then you can be proactive in making your needs and wants known. And so the, the Alzheimer's Association has a lot of um, resources, but there's another group called the Dementia Alliance Network International. Donnie is there, and they're they are a web presence, and they are people living with dementia who are advocating for themselves. So they have a lot of uh, knowledge and resources on an international level. There is a lot going on because people living with dementia are recognizing that when, when they know that they have this, um, this complication or this, this health status change, they can, the earlier they know about it, the more they can do something about it for themselves. So mm -hmm. that's another great resource for people. And then, you know, um, TIPA's organization, Positive Approach to Care, has lots of local resources. They have a network. Um, I think they probably have, I don't know what the statistic is, but they're well representative with throughout the United States. So mm -hmm. you can tie into her website, teepasnow.com, and they have a listing of people who are um, certified in their positive approach to care. Um, and you just, you, you know, you want to plan for um, what you need as you need it. So there are lots of people living well with dementia. As a matter of fact, I'm, there's a local dementia conference, and they actually have a number of people who are presenting who are people living well with dementia and doing something proactively uh, about it to try to add to the supports and resources available to people. And so um, we want people to live as independently and safely as possible for as long as possible but you also have to be realistic about when and what changes are needed in your envir living environment that makes, they make the most sense. Mm -hmm. 
So mm-hmm. it's timing and resources and your support network. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, it definitely seems like there's a lot out there. You just have to access it. Um, thank you so much. And I will, I, yeah. Oh, you're welcome. And I was just going to say it's just, it's a, it's, pretty disjointed right now. I've done a lot of sort of general research locally about when someone would have dementia or have a loved one with dementia, what would they do? So right. I really, you know, um, a senior care manager, there's, a, there's some folks who are independent caseworkers. Um, I think people need to be really, um, uh, really well informed, and it's going to take some um, some looking into because there are a lot of places that will tell that they're dementia care, but what that really looks like, you, you should be very, um, you should be very thorough in looking into things. That's all I would tell people. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I would hope that all facilities and all um, systems would be like yours, but I have a feeling that's not the case. <laughs> no, it's not. And it's not, it's from a, it's just from a place of not knowing and right. resources. I mean, um, it, it takes an it takes enormous effort and intention, and you know, it's not taking helping to support someone with dementia is a really really hard work, and it's not everybody's cut out to do it, and right. so that people need to understand that. Right, right, right. It takes it takes a you know a special certain type of individual to definitely work with these individuals. Thank you so much, Katie, for your time. I really appreciate you sharing your amazing work with us, and I, I hope you just continue to do what you're doing and, you know, to promote OT and all that you do. Thank you again. Well, thank you very much. And have all a great right. day. Thanks, Robin. Bye. Bye.